0: There and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X Wing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X Wing community. That's right, people just like you doing what they can to get better at the game. I'm your host, Sailor Joe, and uh, we have a whole bunch of things that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, but first, let's start off with. List Building let's build with Joe! Joe! I've made little secret about uh, what I'm bringing to LVO and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what else I'm bringing because um, let's let's face it as much as I would uh, like to go into the final cut uh, I have to be prepared not to so I did purchase tickets to the Jet to Bismowo uh, side event on Sunday And I'm bringing another first order list that I wanted to talk about and discuss. And I think, um, and for those that aren't familiar with it, I I encourage you to look at. But essentially, it's you bring a normal 200-point squadron. And uh, in this case, instead of deploying on a board edge that you normally would, you deploy via waypoints. So there's a whole bunch of different strategy and stuff that goes to it. But for me, what I see most in here is knife fighting and so i'm bringing a list that i think specializes in knife fighting so without further ado here's the list we start off with major von reg in the tie ba interceptor and he's rocking daredevil and hole upgrade next you bring blackout in the tie silencer and he's rocking fanatical sensor scramblers ion torpedoes and sensitive controls and finally You've got Kylo Ren in the Whisper, Rockin' Extreme Maneuvers, Fanatical, Sensor Scramblers, and the Enhanced Jamming Suite. And what you've got here is uh, three ships that excel at knife fighting on their own. And you've got them together in a list, uh, and you're putting them in an environment where they're essentially like jumping in out of hyperspace into the middle of a battle so they're already going to be in the middle of the the fight from the start and that's why i think the that this particular list could have some legs is just because of their knife fighting potential what are your thoughts do you think there is a better way to do that are there better knife fighters in the game that i should be looking at give me your thoughts And you can hear my newest pup, Jack-Jack, in the background barking. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. AMG Rules Forum. For this first question, we are going to talk about canceled dice results and performing an attack. OP, if a player chooses to cancel a ship's dice results, for instance, using munitions failsafe, does this still count as the ship Performing an attack. If so, do any triggers that occur after a ship performs an attack still count? Specifically, I have in mind Tarani Kolda using cluster missiles, getting a cruddy dice roll, and then using munition failsafe. Is he, one, still able to use his pilot ability, which triggers after he performs an attack, and two, does he still get his bonus cluster missile attack opportunity? I assume that both triggers would be able to resolve since Munician's failsafe doesn't cancel the dice but merely cancels the results at a particular stage in the attack performance. In effect, the ship has rolled zero dice, but the following steps, rolled defense dice, etc., etc., would still occur. Answer. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Your assumption is correct. Okay. Next question. In one in the Anakin. OP. If Anakin fails his pre maneuver barrel roll, does he need to spend the force anyway? My question rises from the rule that a ship. That if. That the. Blah, 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 blah. Let me go back to that. My question rises from the rule that a ship can pay a cost for the effect only if the effect can be resolved. Answer. No. A barrel roll can fail in the same manner as a barrel roll action. Because Anakin Skywalker's Naboo Royal N1 Starfighter pilot ability is not an action, the force cost is a cost to resolve the effect, which Anakin cannot do in the case of a failure, rather than the cost to attempt the action. Next question, cluster cluster missile confusion. Man, I can read today. All right, OP. If you have made your initial attack with cluster missiles and are going to perform a bonus attack are all of the below true 1 you must spend an additional charge 2 the ship being attacked must be in range of within range 0 to 1 of the initial target 3 the ship being targeted must still be within range 1 to 2 of the attacker 4 the attacker must still retain the target lock on the initial ship to make the attack and 5 the attacker cannot use the target lock on the bonus attack. Answer: A ship that attacked with cluster missiles card can perform a bonus attack against another ship at range one of the original defender and ignore the lock requirements to do so. The range restriction, 1 to 2 attack arc, front arc, and costs spending 1 charge are maintained for the bonus attack. As you ignore Ignore the lock requirements when attacking the second target. You may spend the lock on the initial attack, but as the lock on the original defender is on the original defender and not on the second target, you would not be able to spend a lock to re-roll your attack dice during the bonus attack unless you had a lock a lock on that target as well through other means, such as R3 Astromech. Okay, so basically simplifying it. 1 through 4, yes. Alright, next question. R2-D2 crew, what if you are damaged but have no face-down cards? OP, if you have R2-D2 crew, rebels, and are damaged but have face-up damage cards, can you still use his ability to regain a shield, given that it would be impossible if you roll a hit to expose one of the damage cards? I'm guessing the answer is no, but be- because you are unable to pay the cost flipping a card, but I wasn't sure. Answer. R2-D2, Rebel Crew, reads, During the end phase, if you are damaged and not shielded, you may roll one attack die to recover one shield. On a hit result, expose one of your damage cards. And another quote, A ship can pay a cost for an effect only if the effect can be resolved. Exposing a damage card with R2-D2 is an effect of the ability, not a cost. You may use R2-D2 as long as you meet the requirements. If you only have face-up damage cards and R2-D2 rolls a hit, that portion of the ability does not have any effect. Alright, next question. Timing window to resolve the effects which start with if the attack hits slash miss. OP. I still feel confused about the timing window to resolve the effects which start with if the attack hit-slash-missed, especially when abilities tend to be added to the ability queue at the same time. Example, X23, XX23 and 5th Brother. Um, it is said in the rule reference that the attack hits if at least one hit or crit result remains uncancelled, otherwise the attack misses. The word remains used in the sentence make me cannot stop think that the judge of hit or not is the conclusion of the whole neutralized result step, although a lot will not agree with so. So let me ask the question again. When is the timing window to resolve the effects that start with if this attack hits, or missed, if the timing is not specified in the text. One, during the neutralized result step, immediately after the judge of hit. Two, after the neutralized result step, before the deal damage step. Or three, during the deal damage step. Answer. Four, neutralize results. During this step, pairs of attack and defense dice neutralize each other. Dice are neutralized in the following order pairs of evades and hit results are cancelled, pairs of evade and critical results are cancelled. The attack hits if at least one hit or crit hit result remains uncancelled, otherwise the attack misses. The timing for determining whether or not the attack hits is specified in the text. It's during step 4 of the attack, neutralized results, after sub-steps A and B. Any abilities that trigger, if the attack hits or misses, are added to the queue and resolve at that point. Or, to use your multiple choice, the timing window to resolve such effect is 1 during the neutralized result step immediately after the judge of hit. Alright, that'll do it for uh, our first two podcast segments Uh, I'd want to go ahead and move on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast and I know the last couple episodes have been uh, uh, a little bit deep and I wanted to kind of lighten up the mood a little bit and talk about something that I I think uh, we all need to do every now and again whether it's it's veteran players or new players or anything but it's how do you prepare for your next big event. So I can't answer that for you, but what I can talk about is what I do to prepare for my upcoming X-Wing events. And it generally starts, depending on where I'm at in in list building, it can start months out or it can start the day before. Um, but generally what I will do is I will make sure that I have all the components for the list that I need out and ready to go. So how that looks right now is I have my template tray and holder. Um, I have a couple of ship markers and then I have a small little case full of uh, plastic organizers and it's it's not very big. Uh, Maybe a foot by eight inches by uh, eight inches. Uh, and I put my list in there that I'm going to be flying for that particular tournament. And it's kind of like my X wing go bag. Uh, and it's it's whatever list that I am I'm currently flying. And in addition to all of that, I may put any variations to the list. so any cards that, um uh, are as I said just a slight variation so uh, maybe I want to run Prockets instead of extreme maneuvers uh, so I'll I'll bring both cards with me but I'll separate them out so I have my initial my list so that all I have to do when I set up for when I get to the event is pull out my my template tray put my list on top of, um, in in the holder, I have one of the the high, high bridge or idle bridge um, H models ones, and I can put my list in there, and then that makes it easier to pick up and clean up, and I have everything that I need right then. The other thing I'll grab is all the tokens that I might need for that list, and again, I what I found is doing this initial prep work is going to make the tournament that much easier, especially because I think we've gotten a little bit spoiled with the the online X-Wing and playing X-Wing on TTS where cleanup and setup is just a click of a button. And it takes longer than that in person. And generally you have less time in between rounds when you're dealing with in-person events. So you want to be able to pack up quickly and move to the next table wherever that is and go find your next opponent. So that's why I set all this stuff up beforehand. And then as if, and if, this is, if I do this a month or so before the event, uh, then as I'm tweaking my list, I will make sure to add those cards in. Like for for a perfect example, so getting ready for LVO. I've actually brought all of my X-wing stuff into the room with me as soon as I'm done with the podcast. I'm going to start going through everything and pulling out what I need for LVO. And this is going to be my X-wing go bag for every X-wing event that I do up into, up until LVO. And there's I'll probably do at least one tournament and then a couple of weeks of, of practice um, since you know we're, we're about two weeks out now so that's that's how i i set that up but that's only the first part of my preparation the the next part is preparing myself physically and mentally for lp lvo now uh, i don't i don't know about you but for me when the stress of the game happens um, i start to get the shakes like i'm hungry and i haven't eaten anything so I want to bring a snack. So I want to think about what snacks I'm bringing. Uh, you want to bring something that is uh, not going to slow down your process. So, kind of, I'm not saying don't bring junk food, but bring bring something that can help you think, help get your thought juices flowing. Um, Get the the brain matter moving in a good ring so for me uh, I'm probably gonna bring some chocolate covered um, fruits or nuts so maybe like some banana chips or uh, maybe some chocolate almonds uh, you know something along those lines and the other reason that I, I suggest that you bring a snack oh and also Bring some water. Bring something to drink. Bring something hydrating, and the the what I found with this is it makes the time between or that you have for lunch that much better when you're not on the brink of starvation or adrenaline-based starvation. Uh, it just it allows you to be more. Calm and cool and collective, in throughout the event, than going through the spikes of, um, you know, sugar crashing, or, uh, you know, caffeine crashing, whatever it is. Now, I'm not telling you avoid caffeine, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into the event, you know, drinking more or embodying, or imbibing, or whatever, ingesting more caffeine than you normally would in a given day. Uh, it, you might think it'll help you, make you stronger, and maybe it will for a few minutes, but you're going to crash. And that's what we want to avoid in all this preparation. So make sure you have a snack with you. Now, it's gonna be a little bit trickier for me uh, since LVO is not a local event, but we're gonna be driving up early Friday morning, and uh, my group all has uh, Saturday heat tickets, so that's when we'll be playing, and then we'll be staying through Sunday event and coming back Sunday evening. And yes, I'm really, really, really looking forward to all the traffic coming back from Vegas on the weekend. If you couldn't tell, that was, that was sarcasm. Uh, but uh, the, this, this all flows into that preparation. You have to have a plan. Now, most likely I'm going to be the driver heading from uh, Southern California up to Las Vegas and uh, we're heading up early. Part of the reason we're heading up early is so that I can get there and uh, relax a little bit and not be stressed out and super tired and trying to get up and get everything together to get to the event uh, Saturday morning. So that's, that's the plan there. So let's see, what have we covered? We've covered um, actual physical model and card and token preparation. We've talked about snack preparation. We've talked a little bit about uh, trip preparation. Let's make sure you do what you can to get a good night's sleep before the event or the best night's sleep you can. Um, and, And again, if you don't get the sleep that you need because of nerves or, or whatever. That's okay. Don't imbibe more caffeine the next day than you would normally do um, because you're going to run into the crash in the middle of the event. And that's what we're trying to avoid by, uh, by doing all this prep work. But let's talk about now the most important thing, and that's, coming up with your list as a whole and this this kind of goes in into a, a little bit into list building and you have to know what your style is for it or you can net deck but here's the cool thing about lvo is we're in a very unique place meta wise um, yes there are still a bunch of things that w- that are still good for previous metas. But we haven't fully unlocked everything that's in this meta, and the crazy part about it is once LVO happens, we're expecting the new points, we're expecting the new rules, so this meta isn't going to be the same. So we kind of have this unique LVO meta that we get to try to solve, and we only get one shot at it. So you need, to, you need to build a list that you're comfortable flying. And I would even go further down this road and say you need to build a list that you want to fly. That you're going to have fun flying. And uh, especially in the competitive world, we tend to lose sight of, of this often, is the game is meant to be fun. It doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to turn you into this ball of nerves and uh, an emotional wreck. It's supposed to be fun. So bring a list that you enjoy. And then have fun with your opponents. I'm always blown away by the people that I play that just can have fun regardless of how the game plays out. I'm not one of those people. Like I, I, try really, really hard to not be a sourpuss when the game um, is going hard for one person or the other. Like you, it's one of those things. Like if it's going against me, I don't, I don't want to be the the grump. Um, but it's difficult for me. But if it's going against my opponent, it's also in a difficult spot because I don't want to sit there and be like, oh man, this is. I'm doing really well because it's not really it's probably not the case. it's it's more of um, well the dice just the variance isn't going towards my opponent and I don't I don't want to like brag or rub it in or, or whatever you want to call it. I don't want to be that person to my opponent. I want my my opponent to enjoy the game. And, uh, but I also want to be competitive. So these these kind of dueling, dueling fates, so so to speak, are are going off uh, inside of me through each game. And the opponents that have the ability to kind of cut through that and make it a fun game, regardless of how it's turning out, like I always want to emulate those uh, those people. Because I think that's what the game needs. So now looking back at everything that we've talked about. We've, we've talked about preparing your models and your cards beforehand. We've talked about bringing snacks, bringing water. We've talked about preparing to travel. We've talked about... Um, what's... Sleep. Sorry, I I should know all this better. I'm I'm doing. If you couldn't tell, I'm doing this episode without notes, and I'm sure I'm sure it's bad. Uh, But the the only other bit of preparation that I would say you should do before an event is your your mental state, and there's no easy way to, um, like, I can't give you the magic pill or the magic advice or whatever um, to put you in a good mental state. You've got to do that on your own. But there are some tools that you can utilize that uh, can help, help you get there. And while I could spend another 30 minutes talking about what uh, what type of things those are, I think the best piece of advice that I can give you is no matter what your mental state is, be willing to have that open and honest, reflection or introspection on how you're feeling the day before and the day of the event because we all know that mood swings come and go and sometimes you're just happy to be around your friends and you're happy to play a game that you love and uh, you're just overall in a good mood and other times the nerves get you or something else in life is going on that has you down and you know what that's okay life happens to all of us the best thing that you can do is recognize where you're at and decide how you want to proceed from there And I'm not sure that there's anything else that I can say uh, as far as tournament prep goes. Uh, So with that said, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, Please consider leaving a review however you consume this podcast. It really means a lot to me. And if you'd like to support this podcast financially and help it grow, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us at patreon.com slash saltminesxwing. And uh, it it really means a lot to me. Plus, you get cool swag. Uh, You get quarterly tokens. Uh, This next quarter tokens will be a focus token. And you also get entered into our monthly drawing. Uh, This month it will be a lat, so there is still time to get that in. Hopefully I'll have that all wrapped up before I head out to LVO. And um, as you know, I like to end every episode with a question. And this week's question is, what do you do for tournament prep? This is Sailor Joe, signing off.